Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Barbershop. 216-474-0092 at GBush91. Coming up here, we will get very shook. And let's go to the North Olmstead. Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and bring in uh, Barry Shook of Dogs by Nature. Uh, Barry, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing real well. That's that's very sad news about Jim Brown. Uh, I, when I watched the ESPYs, uh he just looked like he was, um, you know, on a clock. And somebody that was watching it with me said, you know, Jim Brown doesn't look too well. I didn't think anything about it. I knew he was in his 80s, but he lived a Lived a long life, and he definitely represented Cleveland, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he did it. He did it in, um, you know, in in the best way that it could be done. Um, you have a lot of stories, and you know, I always talk about, um, you know, you being one of the historians, um, uh, of the Cleveland Browns, and and what an extensive knowledge on the the, the history and and what happened with the Browns and going way back to you know even Paul Brown and now with Jim Brown. Can you give me a, a couple of stories about Jim Brown that you really feel, feel are kind of interesting um, that kind of show kind of his impact on the city? Yeah, uh, he was an amazing, an amazing athlete. He, he ran track in high school. He played basketball. He played football. He scored 38 points a game in basketball in high school uh, and and when he went to Syracuse, he was an All-American in lacrosse. Uh, lacrosse was his best sport. In fact, they, they changed a rule in lacrosse because of him that when you carry the ball in your stick, you have to wave it while you're running because he would take the, the ball and the net and put it to his body and run, and nobody could get it from him. Well, that's, that's what a running back does is protects the ball. But he was an All-American in lacrosse, and actually that was his best sport. And at Syracuse, he was a member of the United States Army Reserve, and he served four years and was discharged with the rank of captain. I think that's amazing. Um, But as far as him coming to the Browns, his senior season, he gained just 900-and-something yards. He was an All-American in football. He was fifth in the Heisman, so he didn't really stand out. But what happened was the Browns had the sixth pick in the 1957 draft. Paul uh, Otto Graham had retired after 1955, and in 1956, the Browns went five and seven. That was the first time in Paul Brown's history that he had ever had a losing season, and he was hell-bent going into the 57 draft of getting a quarterback. He had used three quarterbacks the year before. There were two that were exceptional coming out of the draft. John Brody of Stanford and Purdue's Lynn Dawson. Having the sixth pick, he assumed that one of those two would be there. The Packers picked Paul Horning first overall. At pick three, San Francisco drafted Brody. 
So that was one down. Packers had a, a pick at number uh, four, picked a wide receiver. And at pick five, the Pittsburgh Steelers took Lynn Dawson. And now it was the Browns' turn, and, and Paul Brown was like, I'm stuck. What do I do? He settled on taking Jim Brown. What's your thoughts? Well, that was a that was a heck of a settle. <laughs> yeah, it was a heck of a settle. <laughs> Best settles that I've ever ever heard. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, you, you know, Barry, you, you talk about you know, you go from that into you know, obviously people know much about his career and, and him. Um, but what are some little known things about him? Actually, you know, his retirement. What led up to that? Um, with uh, with Art Modell and what led to him kind of leaving it and going into another uh, you know part of his his career. Yeah, so uh, in 1965, he he ran for 1,544 yards. Now, that's a 14-game season, Garrett. He had 17 uh, rushing touchdowns and four receiving touchdowns. He was the uh, pro bowler. He was a pro bowler every, every year he was in. He was uh, first-team all-pro that year. He was the league's MVP. He was the league uh, rushing uh, leader. He was the league's uh, touchdown rushing leader. All of that in one year had a phenomenal year. Now, every player back then had an off-season job. They worked as teachers and and, uh, real estate agents or worked at their dad's tire store. Well, Jim Brown's off-season job was he was an actor. He had been in one movie, a cowboy movie, and he'd been on t- two TV shows, and he got a phenomenal role in a big-budget uh, film called The Dirty Dozen. And it was a who's who as far as uh, actors go, Ernest Borgnine, uh, Lee Marvin, um, Charles Bronson. And he was cast as one of the 12 inmates that were going to go over to Germany and destroy um, – you know, and and assassinate uh, German officers, so, and which was a prominent role, and it was a prominent role not only for Jim Brown, but it was a, a prominent role for for black people in general. Because at the time, when a black man was cast in movies, he was the butler, he was the gardener, he was driving the car, and other than Sidney Portier. There were no prominent roles for men of his race. He changed that. Here he had a prominent role. He was an equal among all these others. He had a specialty as far as being an inmate. So it was an important role. Well, they were filming over in in England. And when training camp was about to start, Jim Brown called Art Modell the day before training camp uh, started, and he said, hey, I'm going to be a couple of weeks late. The The shooting is running over. I thought it would be over. Well, Art Modell said, Jim, you're an important member of our team, but if you don't show up, I'm going to fine you $100 a day. Now, he had just been league MVP. He had gained over 1,500 yards and only played 14 games. He thought about it. His best friend on the team was offensive guard John Wooten, the next day, he called John Wooten and said, "You know what? I'm just going to retire." That's crazy. And, and when you when you listen to that and you think about that, how many more years do you think Jim Brown could have played um, in his prime 
um, at the you know after you know calling Art Modell that if he would have never retired, uh, he was thirty years old. He was absolutely in his prime. Um, he only had two seasons that he gained under a thousand yards. Uh, Nineteen sixty-three, the year before the Browns won the NFL championship, which was their last championship. Garrett, he gained one thousand eight hundred and sixty-three yards. It scored 15 touchdowns, and we're talking about a 14-game season. Uh, he was – every year he was in the league nine years. He went to the Pro Bowl all all nine years. Um, he was first-team All-Pro eight of those nine years. Um, you know, he was rushing uh, – NFL rushing leader eight of those nine years he was in. Uh, NFL rushing touchdowns leader five of nine years. He was in his prime. You know, now when we think about a 30-year-old running back, we think, well, you know, he's starting to decline, not Jim Brown. And if you look at at highlights of Jim Brown in those years, and if you watch him, notice a couple of things. Number one is the blocking schemes at the line. Everybody took a man out, but once he got past the first line of defense, and got into the second level, into the third level, start noticing other players running ahead of him and laying blocks uh, for him. The receivers, tight ends, you'd even see offensive linemen coming downfield. That's something that really doesn't happen today. The receivers will engage sort of, kind of, and, and receivers have different degrees of blocking skills. But these receivers would come and just lay out their bodies. Now, back then... You could uh, lay down and take a player's feet out. You can't do that today. So it's a different thing. But he had a lot of help. It was a running game uh, back then. You think about it. The year before he was drafted, in 1956, the leading passer was Tobin Rote for the Green Bay Packers. His totals was 2,203 yards for, for the season. Now, what do you think about that in today's terms? <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Like, and, and these are tw- – I think – didn't he play some of his career with 12 games and some with 14? Yeah, he did. Uh, let's see. The first four years they had uh, the 12 games and the rest were all 14. Wow. And, you know, and, and back then, 1,000 yards was the threshold. Today we talk about 1,000-yard rushers, but – They've got 17 games to accomplish that. You know, when you did 1,000 yards and it was 12 games or 14 games, you you really, really did something. Today, I think they ought to push that up to at least 1,500 yards and not even talk about 1,000 yards anymore. Yeah, I I think so too. And I think when you look at it, 15 yards, is it should be the new standard bearer because, you know, you're playing a bunch of games and, you know, you take a look at it. Those guys were doing it at 12 games. Uh, we're talking to Barry Shuck on the uh, North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Brown's great. Jim Brown passes away at the age of 87. And and, and Barry, not only we've we kind of documented this uh, earlier in the show. He not only gave you, you know, what he gave the Browns in terms of the, their only championship in '64, but he also uh, did a bunch of things on the field. But you know, in the community. Um, the things that he helped do in the black community um, are some of the things that that are that are being highlighted today, and rightfully so. Um, you know, what what were some of the things that you know he was doing, and why it was so important 
um, to the black community during the civil rights movement? Well, he was he was an athlete and he was vocally involved in the civil rights. He was one of the very few professional athletes that came forward and was active in it and was very vocal into civil rights. That just didn't happen then. And the reason was is because everybody that that ran every team was not black. And so you had the potential of either having uh, a diluted position on your team or even being cut uh, completely. And back then, it was nothing to be blackballed from a sport. If that's what they, all the other owners wanted to make an example of it, they would do a, a Colin Kaepernick on you in five seconds back then. But he was very vocal about that. Now, he didn't hate white people. He didn't. In fact, uh, when he was at uh, Syracuse, he, there was a, an attorney that played lacrosse named Kenneth Malloy, who ended up being a circuit court judge. He was a white man. The very first year that, that uh, Jim Brown was at Syracuse, number one, Malloy petitioned Syracuse to get Jim Brown on the team uh, and persuade his alma mater to admit him, which was difficult because uh, Syracuse just came right out and said, we don't want black athletes. They didn't have any black athletes on any team at their university at 1957, Jim Brown was not only the first on the football team, but the first on any sports team at that university. Well, the promise was is that Jim Brown would play one season there and then get a scholarship. Well, that didn't happen. He played sparingly in his first year. In fact, they tried to get him, Jim Brown, to play other positions like punter, offensive lineman, and wide receiver, but he stuck to running back. Well, Kenneth Malloy, a, a, a white attorney, paid for Jim Brown's a, a, a full season of his schooling to stay at the University of, of Syracuse. So it's not like he had a, a, a thing against white people. He just knew that things weren't right, things weren't fair, and he was uh, an intelligent man. But after, uh, not after football, but even during football, uh, he did quite a bit of civil rights work um, because it was a growing thing. Uh, he was a, a prominent uh, black athlete, and he was uh, active in that. And he also called on other athletes to become involved in similar uh, initiatives uh, off the field. There's a famous uh, photograph of when Muhammad Ali didn't want to go into the service because of his religion, and Jim Brown got other athletes from all mm. sports to have a conference. In fact, it was called the Cleveland Summit. They came to Cleveland, Bill Russell, uh, Carl Stokes, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and they were all sitting around Abdul-Jabbar in support of him so that he wouldn't have to go into the Vietnam War. And, and, and think, to think about this. Now, they, they, he had served in the military, right? Well, he was a reservist he was a in reserve. college. Okay. Yeah. So, so he did he, 40, he, all four years at Syracuse, he was a reservist. So, so you know, that just goes to show you um, a, a person who was serving in the Army Reserve also stood up for somebody else's rights uh, to not go to the military, which says a right. which says which says a lot uh, about what type of um, what what type of indiv individual he was. Um, you know, and when you talk about you know in terms of of 
his 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 career and what he did after that. There was a lot of, of talk with Jim Brown and what he was able to do in terms of gangs and in his Amer I Can program and different things like that. Um, you know, Jim Brown, in my opinion, he really opened it up for a lot of athletes like LeBron James to be able to even speak about certain social issues because he was a trailblazer back then. True. Very, very true. He um, he also founded uh, an, an association uh, as far as um, civil rights go. In 1966, he founded the Negro Industrial Economic Union. And what that was for is that he was against sit-ins and marches. Now, I know uh, Dr. King, that was his way of, of promoting civil rights. But Jim Brown was against all that. Uh, he was in a, a 1968 Ebony uh, interview, and, and he said, and I'm going to quote him on this, we got to stop wasting all our energy and money marching and picketing and going uh, things like camp, uh, camping down in Washington on a poor people's campaign. We've got to get off this emotional stuff and do something that will bring about real change. And what he, Jim Brown wanted was for black people to go into business and to get into industry and start being more prominent and rising up the ladder to where financially mm. they could do something to get themselves out of what they were in, which was what he said in, in poor people. And um, that's just one of the things he did. He also had a, a, a thing for, for teenagers later in life where they would come to his house and they would mentor and it was gang members, mm-hmm. and he was trying to get gang members, and it didn't matter about race. They were Hispanic. They were white. They were Caucasian. They were, uh, I say Caucasian and white. They were uh, Asian. They were uh, black. To stop shooting each other, stop killing each other, and figure out what the problems are. Why are why do you hate this other gang? What can we do? How do how can we get you a job and get you going in something economic where it'll do you good instead of killing each other. You're, you're killing all of our, our 20-year-olds over what? And that was a, a famous association that he started. Barry, thank you so much for your time and, and just your insight into Jim Brown. We appreciate you so much for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Until Rosie gets the day. All right. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Barry <laughs> Shuck on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.